Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. How about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome In the Booth, everybody, on a Thursday. Lots going on. Hard to remember what day of week it is. We know it's uh, the Dino Babers show night. We know we're back at Shaughnessy's tonight, as we were last night with the second Jim Beheim show of the season. And uh, lots to do, lots to cover. Football and basketball overlapping, so uh, you lose track of uh, who's what in the comings and goings. The Orange are on the road for foosball on Saturday at Louisville with a 3.30 kickoff. Basketball that night here in the Dome at 7 o'clock. Basketball home on Monday night at 7 o'clock. Syracuse women tonight, um, 7 against Maryland Eastern Shore. We'll have a quiz on all of that if you're ready. Shaughnessy's back-to-back night coaches shows. Your body capable of handling pretzel pups. (laughs) I went kind of light on them last night. You know I could eat the whole basket myself. Um, Yeah, I can come back at you with the pups. I, I think I might not in lieu of nachos or something else, but the nachos are tough. It's hard to eat. We can't eat during the show. Don't know if I'll get there with enough lead time to eat before the show. So we'll play it by ear. Game I, time decision tonight. I highly recommend if you get to Shaughnessy's, hit the pretzel pups. Those are It's kind of what they're known for. It's a good thing to be known for. Solid. One of my favorites now. I eat them all the time. <laughs> I go on Sundays to watch games and get them. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you say it out loud, what, what are they? They're, they're pretzels cut up, deep fried, and served with cheese. I yeah. mean, <laughs> what's... What's I like wrong the mustard better. Mustard's good. Mustard makes it feel a little lighter. <coughs> Get a good tang. Talk amongst yourselves as I <laughs> cough up a lung over here. Um, yeah, I do like the pups. Good crowd out last night. There was a lot going on downtown. Coach Beheim had uh, some stuff to share with us. In fact, we are going to share that here on the show and uh, kind of make a habit probably of the morning after the uh, Coach Beheim show, the Jim Beheim show, brought to you by AmeriCU, to uh, work through some of his highlights because unlike most coaches who are sort of so locked in on the very thing in front of them at one game at a time and they can break down the next opponent or their own game film, Coach Beheim can do all of that. Plus, he's got a great feel for what's happening across the college basketball landscape. So, we uh, hit on a number of those types of topics, and some of them do get related back to Syracuse. So we started with UCLA. It was announced yesterday, in fact, while we were on the air, Steve Alford suspended the three players indefinitely who had been uh, caught apparently making off with some merchandise at a Louis Vuitton store in China. They were kept there for longer than the team trip <laughs> came back and President Trump, of course, uh, going out to solicit credit for uh, prying them free and that type of thing, and now they're back, and uh, UCLA has certainly an issue on its hands, not just because uh, they've got a, a couple of players that have 
done a dumb thing, but they've done it in such a way that everybody knows about it. The way things are handled in China is completely different. Uh, those were expensive stores. They, they could have had $500,000 worth of stuff. I don't know. I don't know what it was. So in China, that could have been, could have been jail time, real jail time over there for a couple of years. So it's a different incident. Um, I think they're going to be, they are suspended. I saw that. Uh, you know, I think that's probably appropriate for all the attention that this brought to uh, uh, what was a good trip, a goodwill trip and a learning experience. And those three kids learned a tough lesson. So we talked with Coach about his approach to discipline and invoked what Mike Krzyzewski had said earlier in the day on the Mike and Mike program, that he doesn't so much have rules, he has standards, and that you have standards to live up to as, a, in his case, a Duke basketball player or even a Team USA player. And Coach Beheim was part of uh, Team USA, of course, and, and uh, Beheim acknowledged that that's the way he likes to operate as well, provides flexibility, a case-by-case basis, related to punishment. And to Coach Beheim's credit, he was candid. He said, look, we had an issue like this here. And I think it's well chronicled that there's a uh, fairly recent former Syracuse player that uh, was involved in something similar uh, at the mall. And uh, Coach said, look, he, he paid back triple what it was, and we dealt with discipline internally and moved on. And the difference, obviously, is this is an international situation. They're, you're facing uh, Chinese law and uh, the Chinese judicial system, whatever that uh, might be. And this could have been legitimate jail time for these guys and uh, was not kept under the radar. Certainly, uh, I don't know if we want to raise raise it to the level of quote-unquote international incident, but that's an easy uh, cliche to kind of throw around and then obviously when it raises to the level of the president you've got something that uh, is different so look for those players to be suspended a good long while maybe as much as the entire non-conference season I think that would be my personal line of demarcation for them five games maybe at minimum I think the whole uh, suspended for the whole year kick them out of school is is pretty harsh um, I think the uh Happy medium or sweet spot there might be a 10-game or a non-conference season, which is about a 13-game. Let them come back uh, Christmas or January 1st, what have you, and go from there. So uh, that was UCLA. We got talking about the overall depth of talent across uh, college basketball, and certainly there's a trade-off in that, right? People recognize it, and it also means – Competitive games at the Carrier Dome. The Orange have a meaty middle of the schedule this year. You know about Kansas. You know about Maryland. And then you can set aside Colgate and Cornell at the other end. But uh, in the middle, Iona's pretty good. Texas Southern, okay. They might win their league. Oakland, really good. You could argue uh, Oakland, if they had their full roster, would be favored in the game they come in on Monday night. You look around the country, and Vermont takes Kentucky almost has two good shots to tie the game, and Kentucky has a real good chance to beat Kansas, which Kansas is a top four team. So it's just college basketball. Uh, Iona has players that can really play. They're really good players. Um, You'll see teams in here, whether it's Texas Southern, uh, Oakland, Toledo. I mean, they all have really good players that can play anywhere, and uh, it makes the game very interesting. 
Well, it certainly is, and there's trade-offs in all of that because teams don't stick together and develop the way they used to. Coach was talking about in the height of the Georgetown rivalry, there might have been six NBA players on Syracuse and six or eight on Georgetown at the same time, and that doesn't happen anymore anywhere. I mean, potentially, if, if Duke and Kansas got together, yes, you would say there's six or eight or ten NBA players aside, but they don't all play in the game, and they, you don't remember it because the rosters are so transient. The other night, one versus two, Duke clipped Michigan State, a 37-point game from Grayson Allen on Tuesday night, but that's a game where Duke started four freshmen and Michigan State a freshman and a couple of very prominent sophomores. Yeah, I mean, there's young, there's great young players. There's probably six of the top ten draft picks this year coming out of that. And Grayson Allen was smart. He would have been a second-round pick, and now anybody that sees and I never thought he was. I always thought he was a super talent. He's like Redick, only better. He shoots it. He can drive it. Yeah, I mean, he gets hot and all that stuff, but the kid is an NBA talent. Uh, he, he will be a first-round pick. He should be in the top 12 or 15 picks this year. And it was surprising to me, the good thing for Duke is Bagley gets hurt. He's the best player in college and best number one pick next year for sure. And he gets hurt, doesn't play, and they still win. So they've got him and Bagley. Trent will be a pretty high pick. I think Wendell Carter will be a fairly high pick. And obviously Bridges and Jackson is a very good player for Michigan State. Those six guys are going to be in the top 12 picks in the draft this year. It's a pretty talented group of young players in the country. And uh, those are two really good teams. They'll be there all year. Um, Kentucky surprised me. They hung with Kansas. They played really well. Kansas didn't shoot well. uh, But uh, they hung with them pretty good. Uh, good teams. They're all teams, you know, top 10 teams in the country. And uh, we'll see Kansas here in a little bit. The Orange meet the Jayhawks, uh, which is always historic. This time it happens to be in Miami on December 2nd with a 5:30 tip-off, kind of an unusual deal there, and a two-game trip for Syracuse because they'll go to Miami to play the uh, uh, Jayhawks and then on to New York to play Connecticut. So uh, lots of good stuff happening uh, on the schedule coming up as uh, it indeed ramps up, but certainly there's uh, plenty of notable games between now and then. Uh, back to Coach Beheim's comments on that. First of all, and we didn't have a ton of time to delve into the detail, and, and sometimes I don't like on that show getting off too far in the tangent away from Syracuse, but I agree with him on Grayson Allen. The guy can obviously play, and my follow-up question, had we been able to stay on it with, with Coach Beheim would have been he, he made a quick a reference there to his temper that he gets hot. Well, couldn't that be written off as competitiveness? And maybe you outgrow uh, a certain childish aspect of it. And who doesn't want competitive guys and guys that can stroke it the way uh, Grayson Allen can? So he's absolutely, for me, a uh, first-round draft pick and a high one. Miles Bridges, they made reference to, is a very highly recruited player at Michigan State and uh, had a good freshman season last year but came back so uh, he's among the tops in the sophomore class this year. So a couple of loaded teams that we're talking about there that the Orange will run into later in the season, Kansas and Duke. When we come back, we'll get into Coach's thoughts on his own team that he shared last night. Ben McAdoo is uh, getting a little wonky, and we'll talk Louisville football with the voice of the Cardinals football and basketball, Paul Rogers, at the tail end of the show. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. 
Join me, Brian Higgins, tonight when the Orange Women take on Maryland Eastern Shore. Orange pregame 645, tip 7. On the pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are back in the booth on a bit of a dreary day here in downtown Syracuse today. It's all right. Better days are ahead. It's going to be nasty in Louisville, it sounds like. 20-mile-per-hour winds and 100% chance of rain during the day. Uh, You know, Louisville is one of these – we do this, obviously, right? On our show, Syracuse and Louisville are kind of similar markets in in some respect. But what do we do, Paulie? We have on the radio guy for the other team and all that stuff. So that happens throughout the year, obviously, where I've got to go on in in, uh, other cities and stuff. And and no city more than Louisville do you get more requests. They just have – you know, multiple sports radio stations and TV stations that do it, like Syracuse does. They're probably the only ones that are uh, comparable in that way in the entire ACC. And uh, today's interview was, uh, among other highlights, will Syracuse have an advantage because <laughs> it's going to be cold? Uh, say because we, of the the Northeast team. Did you say we play inside? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, now Syracuse practices outside, and or could if it wanted to, they could today have, you know, pretty yucky conditions if they want. But uh, I don't know that you're you're grasping for straws there. I think if that's good, you're going to consider that one uh, too much of an advantage. Uh, Syracuse passing offense, and we'll see who the quarterback is. Here's my rationale for why, if you want to believe that Eric Dungey can rally to start the game on Saturday, it's based on this. If we're led to believe that he was really close starting the last game, well, this week has been then more rest, more rehab, more improvement of injuries, and uh, he could only be getting uh, trending closer toward starting. Now, I think if he doesn't start this one, then maybe you don't see him in the uh, Boston College game because uh, unless they're still uh, one win shy of bill eligibility, which would you know would necessitate a win here, it'd be a different different animal. But um, I think what the coaches are spending their time doing is, which is a wise uh, strategy in in life, uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best. You know, and so that's uh, get Zach Mahoney coached up, figure out what are the optimal plays and uh, packages that suit his strengths and. The very fact that he's been as productive as he has been when he's been the uh, starter the last two times out, and then hope you get a more well-balanced, dynamic player uh, with the leadership that Eric Dungey provides. So um, that is kind of the the quarterback scenario. I'm trying to think what else I got you, you, asked today. You maybe get Mother Nature to equalize Lamar Jackson a little bit. Too, a little bit. I was, thinking, I was talking with, with uh, Brian in the office before coming down here. Um, Lamar Jackson knows where he's going. That's the problem, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so I always feel like, and you know, I've never put on a pair of football cleats in my life. So, Inver- so uh, take that for what it's advantage worth. Advantage offense. I I always think in in crappy conditions that the offense, because they know where they're going, has an advantage. The defense is on its heels, uh, reactionary. You know, now you're talking about wiping out in wet conditions, et cetera. Dino Babers said something related to passing the football or, or his particular offense pass oriented. He doesn't mind a little bit of rain. A, a little rain doesn't impact the ball handling and 
allows you to kind of get out there and go. A lot of rain, different kind of story, and any wind. You know, wind affects, obviously, the, the throwing and catching of the football. He would he would prefer a medium or even heavy rain and no wind to uh, what it looks like it might be this time, which is uh, breezy and a little damp. <coughs> but I uh, did see 100% chance of rain during the day, so they usually don't miss those. Sloppy track conditions at Churchill Downs. Anyway, we're walking through uh, some of the comments from Coach Beheim on his weekly radio show last night. And a player that I think we're talking about more than certainly I anticipated prior to the start of the season is Marek Dolajai. We knew he would be one of nine guys and we were going to play nine guys. and uh, So we knew he was going to play. Uh, we also knew that he knew how to play and that he was very active. His weakness is unusual for European players. He doesn't shoot it really well, but he's much quicker and much more athletic than most European players. He can work in our press, our half-court defense, uh, get back and get on the boards and run the court. Yeah, we thought he could do all that. Uh, I don't worry about weight because we've had a lot of skinny guys that have been really good players here. People forget the Damone Browns. People forget Hakeem Warwick. Uh, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant. Uh, we've had a whole lot of We probably have had 10, 50 Lewis Orr right back in the very beginning. Lewis Orr was 6'9", 165 pounds. <laughs> you can still play this game. You can go get it. You use your quickness. Uh, and, and, and the biggest thing is he knows how to play. So uh, he's, we thought he'd be a good player, and we knew uh, he was going to have to play. It wasn't a matter whether we were worried about you know, thinking about whether he'd be good enough. We knew he'd have to play and have to be good enough because we don't have much depth in the front line. Dolezal played more than half the game Tuesday night against Iona. Seven points, six rebounds. He had four offensive rebounds and turned a couple of those into layups. Maybe not a long-range shooter, but absolutely has the instincts of being in the right place at the right time. On the defensive end, you see that on the press. You see it on rebounding, and that does translate to his filling out when he gets a little more chest to him and uh, just a little more, uh, you know, kind of weight that can't be blown off the ball or uh, hip-checked out of bounds by the opposition. I think Dolajai is a guy that's uh, not just a oh-by-the-way or a, th- a throw-in, an intriguing prospect as to what he can become. Parenthetically, Jeremy Grant had a big game last night for the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, star of the game. Uh, for OKC, double-double for him. Not quite uh, Joel Embiid numbers as uh, Embiid went out for over 40 points and 15 rebounds or something ridiculous. And uh, He was the star of the night overall in the NBA as the Sixers beat the Lakers. But uh, we digress. As for Coach Beheim's comments on his own team, really they started, he was asked at the beginning of the show by our friend Stephen North Syracuse about leadership on the team, and here's how he addressed it, really within the scope sort of of the win against Iona on Tuesday. I thought Frank overall had a solid game. I think he can still, I think he can play better. I think he will get better, but I thought they, those two guys were really solid. I thought uh, Pascal had his best game of the year. He was pretty solid in there. Barama's knee was bothering him. He wasn't up to his usual 
play mobility-wise. He just couldn't move uh, as well as he has been. But I thought uh, O'Shea and uh, Marek did a great job coming off the bench. Now we've got to get Gino Thorpe into condition, into game shape. He's still behind. And Matt Moy, we've got to get him more involved on the offensive end. But th- those are a lot of things that we've got to do better. But there was uh, some, some real positives. But leadership comes as you go along. And you get, especially when things don't go your way, then those veteran guys are going to have to step up and be more vocal. On the football side, Coach Mack, Dick McPherson did not allow his quarterback to be voted team captain because it was a de facto captain anyway. You're the quarterback. And I think Coach Beheim, without saying in as many words, look, the point guard does not have to be a rah-rah, grab-you-by-the-jersey kind of guy or overly demonstrative. The point guard does need to get you in your offense, and he is the first line of defense at the front of the 2-3 zone. And so not every guy needs to be vocal or that type of thing, but they are, by definition, uh, sort of a leader or a point person, as the the position would suggest. Coach Babers obviously will allow a quarterback to be named a captain, as Eric Dungy was voted captain this year, but he does not let the quarterback go out for the coin toss, which is a a superstitious thing uh, for him. And, you know, I think these certain positions, right, the, the quarterback, the point guard, the shortstop, they are who everybody looks to. They're the alpha dog. Even if on a given team, they might be trumped here or there in one aspect or another. Certainly those players have to have the it factor uh, to some degree. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be a uh, light you up in the locker room or, or that type of guy. So uh, those are some of the thoughts of Coach Beheim from last night. When we come back, we'll get into do we care? And I want to hear this uh, Ben McAdoo. He is... Uh, He's a different bird. Don't know how well suited he was to be the head coach. And I think I've already heard <laughs> some of these comments, if you know what I mean. Syracuse fans may, you know, it's his little flashback. Yeah, it's his uh, little engine that could moment, I would yeah. say. So scary. Uh, I think, well, we can talk about what uh, brings it about, but I think you have to have some level of being delusional to have these jobs and the focus that you have to have and the way you approach your job and your life sometimes brings about wacky comments like this that sound funny to those of us. We'll play it when we come back. We'll, we'll, that's a tease, Polly, in the industry. Um, <laughs> we're going to commercial. We want him to hang on here a little bit. Yeah, give him that 30 seconds. Best 30 seconds of the show will be some <laughs> delusional coach rambling. That's right. But I, I think that is it's part and parcel with some of the other things they've got to do. Football coaches are different kind of cats now, and uh, Ben McAdoo – is uh, clearly one of those, and he's still exposed and in front of the media. And I, I guess what I was starting to say is, for those of us that aren't in that meat grinder every day and are just fans, just reporters, whatever, you don't have to live your life quite like that. And uh, when you sort of hear somebody from that world uh, trying to to speak in front of microphones and, and make some sense of it to the rest of us, it can sound goofy. And uh, that's what Ben McAdoo is. We'll hear about that when we come back. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. 
Here's Joe Salzone. Is Coach McAdoo delusional? These guys, they're special in a lot of ways. They've been fighting through adversity their whole lives. Uh, the players and coaches to be sitting in that room is unique. And we talked about running to adversity. Uh, that's where we are in the season. We're halfway through. We have one win. Let's run right to it. Uh, we're blessed to, to have the opportunities that we have seven more weeks. Um, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, it's probably the greatest opportunity in my life these next seven weeks. You know, a lot of doubt out there, uh, whether it's in the building or not. Uh, but there's doubt definitely on the outside. So we have a chance to flip the script the last seven weeks. Why do you say it's such a great opportunity for you personally? Because I think it's a great opportunity time that you have one win in your midpoint of the season and doubt starts to creep in. You have a chance to flush the doubt, flip the script, and get some wins. All right, so a couple things to pick apart there. The only thing he said that I agree with is in the general context, yes, being in the National Football League and being a coach is a great opportunity. I don't care what your circumstances are late in the season. You'd rather be that than not. It's a great opportunity. The idea that you're running toward it or that you signed up for it or just by saying that you want to, you're going to flip the script and all of a sudden, oh, now we're going to get some wins because we've been losing. That is complete nonsense. Uh, it's the best opportunity of my life. No, the opportunity was you know, somebody who really hadn't shown head coach chops was given a head coach job, and it has not worked out very well, obviously, uh, for the Giants this year as they have been – uh, for the most part, awful, but uh, he totally loses me with this. I, I also I have a pet peeve when we use the phrase adversity to mean lose, like to ascribe losing to adversity. Oh, they face a lot of adversity. No, they lost the games. Adversity is injury, and they've had that. They've had their their share of that, or you know, bad breaks that you didn't bring upon yourself. Um, I don't feel too sorry for quote unquote adversity. When if if all that we're talking about is that they they've lost games, so they got a long way to go. He won't be around for very long. You know what a better opportunity was going into a season with a potential Hall of Fame quarterback and pick right. to go to the Super Bowl. That, that was, was a better, better opportunity. opportunity. Yeah, and he's fortunate. I think that he's in a uh, historically very class organization. They don't <laughs> excuse me. They don't change coaches uh, during the season, and so they're probably not going to embarrass him. In this, but uh, he's got to go, and and I'm usually pretty reluctant to say that, but uh, you, you can just tell. And and God bless these guys. God bless Greg Robinson and and the uh, little engine that could speech and all that. And I want to apply for my job. And and uh, some of the things he said, I absolutely, from his perspective, understand where they're coming from. But uh, those guys, by definition, the way they approach their job, they're just in a different world. And in this case, uh, McAdoo obviously has lost the understanding that uh, he has not proven himself to be fit for the job. Doesn't mean he can't do it again somewhere else uh, down the line, but uh, he will be removed as the Giants head coach. Call him Mr. Curry now. Stephen Curry of the Golden State Warriors teaming up with Masterclass to teach online courses about what makes him one of the best in the NBA. The classes will go live early next year. I'd love to know what is uh, presented as relatable to the average Joe because – well, Steph Curry is a worker. You know that that part of it. He honed his craft. He overcame being slender and short and you know smaller than your your typical guy. I mean, he certainly is by NBA standards. Um, but he got in the gym and he rebuilt his shot. His father helped him with that in high school, 
and uh, now he's one of the best shooters that's ever lived and best ball handler in the NBA or, or one of them. But uh, I'd love to know what he feels like he has to offer that I don't know. He's, and he must have some secret sauce, and it, it's his work ethic and attention to detail, but uh, he makes it look easy because he's incredible shooter, incredible ball handler, pretty much a scratch golfer, pretty impressive dude. The two things came to mind for me with this. It sounds like a course you could take at UNC for or Southern New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, it made me think of hanging with Mr. Cooper. I don't know why, but you could be hanging with Mr. Curry, your gym teacher. Got a little sitcom in the works for when he retires from the NBA. His wife already does cooking shows and stuff, right? Yep. And a Japanese train company is apologizing for an early departure. The company says a northbound train left the station 20 seconds ahead of schedule on Tuesday morning and says it regrets any inconvenience imposed on its customers. On the next show, they'd make quite the early departure joke, but we're going to leave that for them. But, uh yeah, you know, to me, this is very Japanese. It's a little over the line. I'm a, I enjoy punctuality. I cannot stand people that aren't on time. Uh, leaving 20 seconds early, I don't know if is that's worth making a, a huge deal about. And in the end, it comes kind of off as a marketing thing because if they're going to make a big fuss about 20 seconds either way, it gives you the idea that they're uh, running a pretty sophisticated and uh, on-time operation. As, as somebody who suffered from early departure, uh, twenty seconds is not really a, a bad. You're saying delay, that uh, you know, like, you're, and you're probably right. I, mean, I, seconds, I bet you can count on one hand the number of people who would have made it if it left twenty seconds later. Yeah, if you're at the ticket counter twenty seconds before, you're not making the train. Within twenty seconds, you're within eye shots of the ticket takers, the conductors. You're getting on that train. Did you? Did you just but say? You, you, but you, you think the train. You're putting it on the people who should have held it up, is what you're saying. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like 20 seconds early leaving is nobody missed the train. Wait, I, I, a, a minute early, someone missed the train. I think we just buried the lead. Did you just admit to having early departure problems? Yeah, everybody, everybody suffered from early departure at some point when traveling. Oh, when traveling. Okay, well, that's different. There, I, I I just stole the thunder from from another show. Dad is Dad is about to scold us here. Uh, Do we care? Is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love that first slice. Back with Paul Rogers of WHAS in Louisville when we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Chiefs. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio ninety-seven point seven and one hundred point one. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back. In the Booth brought to you by CNYRealtor.com, CH Insurance, and Burdick Ford here for about 10 more minutes. And we would love to spend those 10 minutes with nobody other than our friend Paul mm-hmm. Rogers of WHAS in Louisville. Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing fine, Matt. How you doing? Good, man. Uh, I think we had you on early in the year and... Uh, not since uh, everything hit the fan down there. How, how are things? You, you, you keeping it together? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm holding it together. It has been uh, certainly an entertaining fall. Um, things have seemed to have settled down. We do have a lot of interims here, an interim president, interim coach, an interim AD, but they're all getting along and 
trying to correct uh, the wrongs from the past and, and get things headed back on the right track. So hopefully we're through the worst of the drama, although obviously from a legal FBI standpoint, there, there's lots more that's going to play out in this college basketball deal way beyond what's happening here in Louisville. You do have our guy Greg Paulus there help to come in uh, and assist David Paget in stopping the bleeding a little bit. Uh, what's the immediate prognosis? Obviously the team is really good. Uh, how are they kind of moving through day to day? Team has been great, and David Padgett has complimented them, and and they have complimented him. Uh, when David uh, was pressed into this role, it came totally unexpected. He, like many Patino assistants, figured that one day he would be a head coach. He didn't think it would happen this abruptly or under these circumstances, and it uh, hit the players like a punch to the gut too. Uh, nobody knew exactly what to do or what was going to happen, but they all just kind of gathered around and said, look, the one thing we can do is, is, is do the thing we love, and that's play ball. So the team has bonded. David said uh, of all the things he's had, to, he's had to do in coaching this team, he has not had to coach effort. Uh, they've been into it from the beginning, and uh, they, they seem to be uh, uh, getting along and, and eager to get the season going. Paul Rogers is our guest, a longtime radio and football uh, play-by radio, football and basketball play-by-play announcer on the radio, uh, WHAS in uh, Louisville. And football-wise, it's um, you know been eye-opening from afar to see Louisville have some issues this year. When everybody thinks Lamar Jackson is so otherworldly that that must be enough, but that's not how football works, huh? No, we've certainly seen that. Uh, Lamar has been, frankly, just as good as last year. His numbers are very comparable. Uh, Not quite as many touchdowns, but his his total yardage is actually above last year. Uh, But the main problem, frankly, has been on the other side of the ball. The the defense has just been woeful. Um, And with what you guys went through last week, you can relate to that. Although in Lowell's case, they actually had their best game last week. And they got healthy, frankly. They had some really key injuries defensively. Their All-American cornerback, Jair Alexander, their their best and most experienced linebacker, and Stacey Thomas, as well as some others here and there. But those two are the main guys. And after the open date, they had an entire week to – kind of regroup and get healthy, and they put together their best game by far last week against Virginia. So if they can do that, they've still pretty much got the weapons offensively to to get it done. Alexander's only played four games this year, Paul, as a corner. What's been his story? He got injured in the very first game against Purdue on a – it was a blocked field goal that, that he should have let go, frankly, but picked up and decided to run with it and uh, just was uh, the victim of an awkward tackle, and it injured his knee. Uh, didn't know for sure how long he would be out. He did finally come back a little quicker than, than I would have thought, but he came back for the Florida State game, and then the next week hit his hand on a helmet in practice and broke his wrist. So he missed another game, uh, but came back last week. And, and he's not just Louisville's probably their most skilled defensive player. He's, he's their most spirited defensive player they really missed his presence when he wasn't out there so to get him back last week was a big boost another couple of minutes with uh, paul rogers the uh, university of louisville a play-by-play announcer the uh, cardinals coming off a win now uh, six and four so they're bowl eligible how did they approach the year after maybe an early loss or two paul in terms of what there is to play for i think when you're in this division right you have to come up with alternative goals because if you're in the same division as Clemson and Florida State, and I know FSU hasn't been that good this year, Louisville's right there in the mix with them, but if it's not going to be their year to compete for the championship, you got to find something else. 
Yeah, that's for sure. And, and the good news is this division is so good that even if you don't win it, you can still have a pretty good year. That was the case with the Louisville last year. They were 7-1 and one in the conference, just that the one loss was to Clemson. Uh, and they were really eager for that early season Clemson matchup this year and, and just got blown out at home. And that kind of took the stuffing out of them early on. And maybe to some degree they've never totally recovered from that. Uh, but they're at least in a position now where if they could win these last two, they're going to be eight and four, and they're not going to be in a, in a major bowl, but there's still some attractive bowls out there. And they have won eight games at least every year under Coach Petrino, so they've got that goal to shoot for. So, uh, you know, when, when you play the game, you want to keep winning as many as you can, however many there are left. No doubt about it. Lamar Jackson, uh, just again, the numbers, I mean, you started rattling them off, but they're ridiculous. He's passed for 3,000 yards. He's run for close to 1,200, thrown for 21 touchdowns, run for 15. Uh, I know it doesn't get old to watch, but has there been anything for you this year that's looked to be different, uh, another gear or, or something that – and he won't, unfortunately, he won't win the Heisman again probably because of the, the way it's worked out with the lack of the team's success. But uh, how would you compare – or, or evaluate his growth over time? I, I just think he's matured into a more complete quarterback. Uh, he's, he's learned how to read defenses better. His judgment is better. His accuracy is better, although there's still room for improvement in that regard. Uh, he can throw the most beautiful ball you've ever seen, but he can also make bad throws on fairly simple throws. So he can still be a little bit erratic, and as, as weird as that is to say for a guy who's passed for 3,000 yards. In fact, he's the only quarterback ever only player ever to run for a thousand and pass for three thousand in two straight years. He just keeps achieving these milestones that had never been reached before. But his overall quarterbacking skills uh, are better this year than they were last year. Well, no doubt about it, and he certainly uh, puts up <coughs> ridiculous numbers. Of course, six hundred and ten yards that he was responsible for against Syracuse last year, and. Uh, right back at it. You know, if he has that type of game, it's going to be incumbent on one of the toughest things about Syracuse this week is, you know, the quarterback, it's in question, but whoever it is is going to have to obviously perform at a high level because it's hard to imagine that uh, Louisville won't put uh, points up. So uh, it's not like you could just get in there and be the capable backup that uh, Zach Mahoney is. <laughs> in fact, Zach Mahoney hasn't even shown to be capable backup. He's shown to be, uh, you know, ridiculous numbers in his own right, uh, just maybe not the the sustainability he's going to have to to do that again weather wise paul it, it sounds like it could be a little nasty um what 50s low 60 maybe and and uh, rain and wind yeah it's supposed to be rainy and windy and actually warm to start the day but one of those days where it gets colder as the day goes on so it, it looks like we're looking at game time temperatures maybe in the 50s and dropping from there certainly not bitter cold especially for what you can handle, but but the rain and wind always uh, can provide some challenges, and it looks like we are going to have a pretty good amount of that. Well, I won't feel bad about not having the opportunity to hit the golf course then, if it's going to be like that. I, I was thinking the same thing. We, we talked about that before, and I said, well, at least now we won't be lamenting <laughs> sitting there on a 65-degree sunny day. Darn, we could have been on the golf course. Sure. <laughs> sure. All right, my friend, uh, looking forward to seeing you. If you need anything uh, from our end, give us a shout, okay? Will do. Thanks, Matt. Looking forward to seeing you. Okay, it's the great Paul Rogers of WHAS Radio down there in Louisville. has been at it a long time uh, calling the football and basketball games for the Cardinals. And uh, Louisville had a little bit of a scare from George, uh, George Mason, or was that Florida State that played George Mason? At any rate, they had a, uh, a tighter game than I think they would have wanted to to uh, open the, the basketball season, but they're loaded with talent in basketball. Just uh, obviously some turmoil there. And football-wise, not the season that they had designed, but they still do have Lamar Jackson, and that would 
put them in a favored position against uh, Syracuse with the season coming up. So, uh, yeah, Louisville pulled away from George Mason at the end of its opener to win that one by 11, and they are back at it on uh, Tuesday of this coming week against Southern Illinois. Unusual schedule they always seem to have. They got to Seton Hall coming up a little bit later. That's a game that would have made a little more sense with Rick Pitino as the head coach. Rick Pitino versus Kevin Willard, son of uh, Ralph Willard, longtime uh, Pitino friend and assistant and, uh, in that uh, same group with Coach Beheim and company as well, but uh, not to be. All right, back at it uh, on Monday. Tape show tomorrow. Polly Safe Travels. Dino Baber's show tonight at Shaughnessy's.